You're listening to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear their identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen Savior, Jesus. Well, here we are back again. Welcome to our listeners. I'm sitting here in the podcast booth. Hello, Jay. Welcome back. Chica, so great to see you. So today, listeners, we are talking about love. And I thought, Jay, that we would open up with a bit of 80s trivia. You ready for this? Oh, okay. 80s trivia, cold. I'm ready. I was not prepped for this. So let's no, you are not. No, you're not. So um, you finish You finish off, maybe even in harmony, with the uh, the answer to the song that I'm about to say to you, okay? All right. All you need is... Love. Ba-da, ba-da, ba-da. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't, don't hurt, hurt me. me. No more. Oh, my if, gosh. If he is free to shine up the side of the road, you see 16 miles to the love shack. Oh, my gosh. I'm stuck <laughs> in middle school dances now. Holy we, cow. We need to stop because that was pathetic. <laughs> that was awesome. Sorry, listeners, but we had to throw that one in there. Well, today, Jay, we are talking about the fruit of the spirit love so why don't you kick us off with prayer and then we can jump into discussion i'll do that so lord jesus we just thank you for your love we thank you that you are love and your love spills upon us so we just ask your spirit to be here in this podcast today that chica and i would recede and your voice and your spirit would come through and that what people need to hear they're able to hear today it's in your name that we pray amen amen well jay the the fruit of love maybe the best example. And when we think back to Galatians and, and Paul is unpacking the fruit for us, love is the first one out the gate. We talk about love in a number of different contexts, which we're going to unpack here today. Jay, maybe I'm going to give you the ball here. When, when I say the word love, fruit of the spirit is love. What first comes to mind for you? Well, you know, the English language is so poor in relation to other languages and the Greek is so awesome. So I think when we think love in the American context, especially the modern context, it it can go in a lot of directions, but the Greeks were really, really specific when they meant something. And in, in, in the Greek, in the biblical Greek, there's four kinds of love that the Bible addresses, and they are storge, philia, eros, and agape. So storge is affection. Like that's just not like physical affection. It's just affection. Philia is friendship love, right? It's a deep friendship. Eros is romantic love. So you know, probably in American society, we think about that one a lot because our culture is, you know, saturated with sex. We have sex on the brain all the time, no matter where you're at. And then agape, agape, which is really unconditional love. And this is the love we're focused on when we speak of the fruit of the spirit. The other three are important, but that is not what Paul is discussing. And that is not what the New Testament is after when it is talking about love as a fruit of the spirit. Mm. So if we could come back to the first one. Storge. You said affection. So is that like, I like a movie or, oh, I've got a good kind of fuzzy feeling on the train because somebody smiled at me? Is that yeah, like, I, I love my dog. I love my dog. I have a lot of affection for my dog. And the second one was? Philia. So friendship. So I have philia. I have philia love for you, Chica, right? We're, we're really, really good friends. Mm-hmm. And and so that, so I have both Storge and philia. I have affection love for you. I have friendship love for you. Thank I don't you, have Jay. any Eros love for you. <laughs> Hey-o! <laughs> and so Eros would be that in a marriage, right? 
Yeah, or I mean, it's erotic. Eros is erotic, so um, oh. you know the the dark the dark side of Eros is lust, right? Mm. And so that would be that would be physical attraction, erotic love you have for for another. And where would my work fit? Where would your work fit in that in those four? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Storge. I mean, I have affection for my work. I'm, and, and that's interesting because in the English language, you know, we, we can use love in so many contexts. And if you're a native speaking English speaker, you understand the gist of what somebody is saying when they say, I love my job versus right. I love my dog versus I love my wife versus I love this or that. And because we understand the context and we're native speakers, it makes sense to us. But, you know, in other languages, they use different, they use more descriptive words sometimes for what they mean. Like when I mean I love my job, I say a different word than when I say I want to love my wife tonight. Thank you. <laughs> and so when we move into agape, we've heard many Christian speakers say make love a verb. Is that the agape version? No, I don't think so. And I, you know, it's a good point you're making, Chica. And I, I think um, so many times, and again, especially in America, we want something to do. And we want an action or an activity. Like we are a do society. We're very different than a lot of the history of the world and a lot of the world today. Like Americans work, like we work all the time. I mean, we don't, we barely even take vacation and it's a very cultural thing. So it's, it makes sense in American preaching. It's like, what am I going to do? I'm here with my checklist. I've got one hour, Mr. Preacher, tell me the five things I need to go do, you know, right. and so you go, make love a verb. But, you know, if you think about Jesus, Jesus didn't have to think about making love a verb. He lived his life in a way that love was just a verb. So as we roll into it then, Jay, when we think of the fruit of the Spirit, love, talk me through the agape sink. Yeah, I think a good example playing off your verb analogy, there's a really good story in the, I mean, actually lots of good stories in the New Testament we could go to, but there's one that's very famous and we don't even have to spend that much time unpacking it, but it's the story of the Good Samaritan. And so if you want to think about agape love, fruit of the Spirit, love, love is a verb, love is an action. That's a really, really good story to go to. And I'll just reset it for those of you that aren't super familiar with the story. Basically, there's a guy, he's on his way somewhere, and he gets jumped on the street. He gets beaten up, and the thieves take his clothes, and they take his money, literally leave him naked and bleeding, and they toss him in the ditch. Now, you have to remember where we are. We're in first century. We're on our way up to Jerusalem. So people walk on these roads like freeways. There's like lots of people on the roads. But at different times, just on like our freeways, the road might be busy, not busy. So you get the sense that when this happened... The guy's walking by himself, which was a dangerous thing to do in the world at that time. He gets jumped, right? He gets gets taken out. And now what happens is he's laying bleeding in the road. And three, three men walk by him. The first two are religious men. They're, they're like basically a priest and a pastor, right? And, and they cross to the other side of the road and they don't help this guy because they decide in the context of their religion that he is impure and he's gotten what he deserved. He must have done something and he's laying there bleeding in the road. The third guy that passes by is a Samaritan. He's from the Samaritan people. And he stops and picks the guy up and puts him on a horse and takes him to the inn where he cleans him up. And then he pays the innkeeper and he says, look, I got to go do some more business. I'll be back in a few days. Here's a stack of money. Take care of this guy. And I'll be back to, uh, and I'll settle up when I get here, whatever additional money you had to spend to take care of him. That, that's an action. Like he chose to stop. He chose to help the man. He didn't let him die in the road. He chose to pay for him to get taken care of. He hired a you know, hospice place to, to look after him. That's 
agape love. It's completely unconditional. Mm. Mm. The, Samar- the Samaritan knows nothing to the bleeding man in the street. He owes him nothing. He has no responsibility for him. And, and yet he views him as his neighbor. Now, this story has a lot of other interesting contexts because in that day and age, the Jewish people hated the Samaritan people. And so for Jesus to make a Samaritan the star of a story with the Jewish people was pretty, that's like pretty radical because there was a lot of race issues there. And so that would have already blown the Jews' minds that were listening to him, like the Samaritan's the good guy. And then the problem is like the priest and the pastor, which were, he was making analogies to Jewish priests and Jewish pastors. They were the bad guys who violated God's law. They did not show agape love. And the idea is that in another place, Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's how you, that's the whole deal. And this is what he means. He means unconditional love for your fellow man Mm. at at any time. At all costs, right? So it's not love because I'm in love with you. It's not love because I want you to love me back. It's love because. So Jay, as you were talking about the Samaritan story, I had an Old Testament story come up. The story of Solomon, where he has the two mothers claiming that the one child is theirs. Remember how one mother rolled over on on theirs and then came back and said, and then he he tested them and said, we'll saw the, the baby in half. And then the mother that came forward first. And so Jay, is that the same love or is that different? Uh, that's a perfect example of agape love. I think it's a really good one you're pointing to where the first mother is being selfish because it's not really her baby. And when the mother who's the real birth mother realizes Solomon's going to cut this baby in half, <laughs> like that's intense. Her agape love rises up, her unconditional love for that child, because to give up the child, she is literally dying to do that. But her unconditional love for that child says, better for the child to live without me than die in my selfish desire to hold on to him. So it's a really different, it's a really different way of looking at it, those two stories. But both are great examples of unconditional love. The mother sacrifices everything, giving up her child. Anyone who's had a child knows that would just be, that's death to give up your child like that. And, and and so what is this love? What is this love? The idea is not that we're, we're fostering this love under our own power, but the idea is that God loves us so much and so unconditionally Yes, that it pours over us. And it's so generous that if we are in tune with God, right? So you think about the Samaritan man, he is in tune with God. That's the idea behind the story, that the love of Christ flows right off of him into other people. So he's not actually having to generate agape love. It just flows off of him. The mother doesn't have to generate the agape love. The way that God designed her to love her child unconditionally, giving up the child is not, it's not even a second thought. It just flows right off of us. Now, when we are not walking with God when we're blocked from the spirit by the way we're living our life or the anxieties and pressures and we're disconnected from God because of what we're doing because God never disconnects from us. He is always there. The Bible says Jesus is always at your door. Knock, 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 knock. He is always available. But when when that block gets blocked, then that love does not flow off of us. That's a whole new standard, Jay, a whole new standard when you think of love. Listeners, as you think of love, the way that it's flowing out of you is exactly why we're talking about it being a fruit love right now. Jay, if I could jump to scripture real quick, I think of um, 1 John 4, 1 John 4, 7 specifically, and listeners, this is the love that Jay was just referring to. So 4, 7 in 1 John says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And so, Jay, what sticks out for me in that specific phrase comes back to what you were saying earlier, which is we don't love one another so that God will love us. We love one another because God is love. Therefore, to your point, it flows from us. Yeah, I mean, exactly. A really simple way to sum it up is think about the time you most you felt most alone in life. And the truth is, if you're a believer, you were not alone. God was there. We're never alone. That's the simple way to sum it up. And because we're never alone, because his love is pouring on us, if we're checked in, it'll pour out of us. So you think about 1 Corinthians 13, in addition to the passage you were just reading, you know, that's the famous love passage that we read at weddings. And a lot of people read that at weddings. But what's really interesting about that is if you think about agape, you go insert unconditional love instead of love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is these things. Love doesn't judge. We'll submit unconditional love. And it really changes the passage a little bit. Unconditional love is patient. Unconditional love is kind. Not storge love, not philia love, not eros love, right? Romantic love is not patient and kind. Romantic love is urgent and it's pressing. It's not love, love when you're in a good mood. Love when she's being nice to you or he's being nice to you. Right, right. And friendship love, same thing. Like friendship love isn't always patient and isn't always kind. You have breaks in friendship. Affection love isn't always patient, isn't always kind. But unconditional love, oh, unconditional mm. Unconditional love is always patient and it's always kind and it's never self-serving and it's never, right? So the other three kinds of loves don't necessarily plug in there in 1 Corinthians 13, but agape plugs right in. It's unconditional love that is the fruit of the spirit. And, you know, just think about a time you've loved something. You weren't trying to love it. And if you had lost it, it wasn't even about that. It was just about, I loved it so much. For me, the easiest way is my children. Like, I just love them unconditionally. And I can't even explain it. And it's how we're designed. <laughs> there are days that I do not have store J or philia love for my children. No affection at all. <laughs> no affection, no friendship. It's like, no, get out of here. But I always have agape love for my children. So Jay, at the end of Corinthians, and you and I have spoken about this, what is that overarching kind of call to action? You know, the end of 1 Corinthians 13 says the three most important things are faith, hope, and love. And if you go back to the story where the, the lawyer stands up and he tries to challenge Jesus, Jesus, tell us what are the most important commandments. And he says, agape love God and agape love your neighbor. That's it. So you come back to the end of 1 Corinthians 13, and Paul says, look, these are the three most important things, faith, hope, and love, but love is the greatest of them all, agape love. And if you work your way back up 1 Corinthians 13, you can, you can see in there, Paul says, if you have faith, the greatest faith, faith that can move mountains, but you don't have love, like it's kind of cold and doesn't matter. If you have hope, hope that could lift the world, but you don't have agape love, eh, it doesn't really matter. Faith and hope are so important. But love, agape love, unconditional love, that is the hallmark of the way. And when I say the way, the Christian life originally was called the way. We are followers of the ways. They weren't called Christians originally. They were called followers of the way. And what is the hallmark of a follower of the way? The unbelievable, absolute hallmark 
of a follower of the way that stood out in the ancient world, shocked the Romans, shocked everybody when they came across it, was the unconditional love that followers of the way demonstrated to each other and to strangers. So there we go, listeners. Our action for this week is exactly what Jay just explained. When you, If you're driving in the car right now and you're thinking about walking into work, this rest of the week and or as you walk into this weekend, how as you interact with other people, even though they're biting at you, even though they may be poking at you, how can you show the agape love? When you talk to your wife, when you look at your kids, when you are taking out frustrations on your pets because you are just frustrated, how can you show agape love through you because that's who God is for us. Jay, I think that it only makes sense since we're wrapping up this podcast before we pray to uh, for you to finish one more 80s song that just popped into my head. Oh, shot, shot through the heart. And you're to blame. You give, you give love, love a bad name. Come on. So go on, listeners. Go give love a good name this week as we wrap up. And thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week on the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. Heavenly Father, as we walk into this week, Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you. We praise you for loving us because without your love, we would not be able to be loved. So this week, please give us the courage. Let us check ourselves when we feel that we are not being in your love, Lord, and letting your love flow through us as a fruit of the Spirit. Do it in everything that we do, and we give you all the praise and all the glory for all of our actions. We love you very much. In your son, Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Amen.